The purpose of Jesus' death and then his resurrection that we celebrated on Easter Sunday is that God was reconciling the world to himself. And that's where it all starts right there. And, and, uh, and then, and then Daryl spoke last week, um, and, he, and he talked about what this means for us as a church community, that we are, uh, God has called us to be ministers of reconciliation. The church is who God has chosen in order to reconcile others to himself. So the question that I want to dissect a little bit today is how do we partner together to reconcile communities and neighborhoods? So the title of my sermon is just that, Reconciling Communities and Neighborhoods. A few years ago, we started an initiative within our community called The Art of Neighboring. Oh, this isn't something that we came up with. We didn't coin that term or anything. There's actually a book that was written by Jay Pathick, the pastor of Mile High Vineyard, along with uh, uh, Dave, Dave Runyon, a Christian le- another Christian leader in the, in the Denver area. And uh, they wrote the book called The Art of Neighboring, where they were, were challenging, um, where, where they really challenged us as followers of Jesus to love our neighbors, which is what Jesus said is the second most important commandment. He said to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, loving people, loving God and loving people. And that's what we want to be about here at Oasis. And so I want to pick that up. I want to read that in uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. I'll pick it up, and it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. And that's what we're called to do is to love God and to love people. The question is, how seriously do we take this commandment? How seriously do we take this commandment to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, when Jesus talked about loving your neighbors, it wasn't limited. It wasn't just simply talking about the people who live next to you. It wasn't just limited to those people. We're called to be neighborly everywhere we go, right? But how about we start somewhere? If we if we can't follow this commandment with the people that we live right next to you, then then there's something wrong with our priorities. Let's continue reading in Luke chapter 10. and verse 29, it says, But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Okay, let's stop there for just a second. It said that he wanted to justify himself. What, what does that mean? What, what was it about what Jesus said that made him uncomfortable so that he felt the need to justify himself? You know, there are people in my life who are easy to love. I would say I, I, I love my wife and daughter, and I don't feel like it's a burden to love them most of the time. <laughs> but there are people in my life who are draining, right? And sometimes it's not very easy to love those people. 
I suspect the person in this passage has a few people in his mind as he asks this question. Well, I don't know if I want to love that person. Who's, who's, who's my neighbor? Certainly not these people right here, and, and definitely not these people. But these people, they're, they're my neighbors, sure, but not these people, right? Not my actual neighbor. Because wouldn't it be nice if we could just pick and choose who qualifies as our neighbor? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And, uh, and, and, and I could just love those people. So you know what? If you're neighborly to me, then, then great. You know what? Sure, I'll, I'll love you. I'll be neighborly to you as well. And, and, then, and then all is good. And these other people who I don't really like that much, they're not really my neighbors. But in response... To this man's question, who is my neighbor? Jesus tells a story, as he often does. So in the next verse, in, in verse 30, it says, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor? to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The fact that Jesus used a Samaritan in this story would have been particularly shocking. In the audience of that day, uh, if, if, they, if the people in that day had created a list from top to bottom of, of, of the people in, in descending order of difficulty that it would be for them to love, the Samaritans would have been right there towards the bottom of the list. Maybe right around like tax collectors and prostitutes, that's where the Samaritans would have been right there in that mix. So think through in this story in your head, Think through somebody who would represent everything you are against. Somebody who lives a lifestyle you wouldn't agree with. Somebody who has a belief system opposite to you. Somebody who does things that you would consider almost unforgivable. And then put that person in the place of the Samaritan in this story, and you might begin begin to understand what this parable meant to them. It's easy to think through about the people we do love and justify ourselves and say, you know what, I, I, I do, I, I, I love people. I take care of my own. And I don't want to discount that. That's important. You know what, your family, your coworkers, uh, the parents on your kids' teams, the person sitting next to you right now, those are all your neighbors. But so are the people who are difficult to love and so are the people who live right next to you. And it's oftentimes easy to neglect those who are just right there. Person who lives right across the street or right next to you. And there is great potential for for great things to happen when we work on the relationships with our literal neighbors. 
and then work from there. And uh, what prompted the, the authors of the book, The Art of Neighboring, to write the book is they were actually meeting, a group of pastors were meeting with a city leader. And he was talking about, you know, he was thanking them for their service and, and that they do in the city and everything. And they asked the question, well, what can we do to really help the city? to make an impact on the city. And he responded with, essentially, be good neighbors. He said that there were many issues that the city just couldn't take care of that would be solved if people were just good neighbors. Things like elderly people who couldn't shovel their driveway. The city can't go and shovel every elderly person's driveway. But good neighbors can A neighbor can make a difference for one person, and then there's a domino effect. And it was interesting, if you read the book, which I encourage you to do, um, I believe it was Jay Pathak said that uh, in that meeting after the city leader left, he's like, is anybody else embarrassed? He just basically told us to do what we already should be doing in the Bible, according to the Bible. We are called to be a blessing in the community where we live. So I want to take a moment. Take, take a pause and, and, and do an exercise. Can I get just a, a few people, maybe one person from each section to pass these out to your section? That would be awesome. I think, I think I have enough for everybody to have one, but if I don't, then maybe share with a spouse or something. A few, few of you are still getting this, but I'll just kind of tell you what I want you to do. I'm going to just take a couple minutes, and you'll notice there's the, the house in the middle. That's supposed to represent your home. And then there's eight other boxes, and that represents essentially, I guess you would say, the eight people that live closest to you. Uh, so I just want to do an exercise and just take a moment and fill it out as best you can with the names of the people who live closest to you. So, um, and, you know, if you don't know all of them, just fill out as many as you do know. And let's, uh, let's take, I'm just going to give you about, about two minutes to... To, to go ahead and do that. So let's 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 go ahead and get started now. How'd we do? Now if you're filling this out, hey, that's awesome. I see I see somebody has it completely filled out. I love that. So if you did that, if you filled it out completely, you know all the names, that is fantastic. You know the names of your neighbors. I love that. I imagine that most of us could probably uh, fill out a little bit, but there were some gaps, and then maybe some of us didn't know a single person, and it was all just blank. It is kind of difficult to, to, to love somebody if you don't know their name first. So this could be a, good, a great first step. Is start, let's, let's start asking our neighbors what, our name, what their names are. Even it has to be that awkward conversation of, hey, so... Um, We've lived across the street from each other for five years. Um, we wave at each other a lot, but I've never actually stopped to talk to you, and I don't really know your name. What's your, what's your name? That's a little awkward conversation, but you know what? Hopefully that starts something. So, um, so that's, that's, that's one of my challenges to you today, is let's learn your neighbor's names. I think that's so important. I believe that we have good intentions of wanting to be good neighbors, but, but stuff gets in the way, doesn't it? And I'm sure that, you know, for every person here, there's different barriers, different reasons why, uh, you, why we may not, why we may be challenged by this concept 
of, of, being our neighbor, of being good neighbors, getting to know our neighbors. But I'm going to discuss a couple, uh, two, that, that I believe would probably encompass most of those barriers. And by the way, my, I would encourage you, keep, keep, that, um, keep that chart that I gave you, take it home, and uh, as you learn your neighbors, write it on there, and then that way you won't, won't forget and um, put it somewhere where you can go and, go and look at it every now and then and be like, okay, so, so you, you will know your neighbors' names. But um, the first barrier I want to talk about is the time barrier. And honestly, this is what gets me. These days, everybody seems busy, don't they? There was a time, I hear, I'm not really old enough for this, but there was a time when people would come home in the evenings and uh, they'd sit on their front porch, a neighbor come by, they'd be invited to stay for a while, and it was just a lot more of a community atmosphere in neighborhoods. But now, it seems like it's just go, 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 right? That's the way my life seems, is it's just constantly going. I constantly have something, somewhere to get to, and the and when I finally have a moment to just sit down and rest for a minute, it's like, okay, I want to spend time with my family. And it's just like, and then it's on to another thing. Does anybody else relate to that? I feel like I don't have enough time in a 24-hour period to do everything I need to do. But do you notice something? Have you ever noticed that if something's really important to you, if it's a priority for you, you make time for it. Funny story about me. I, I don't. Uh, I don't typically eat breakfast. Probably should, but I, I usually just don't. And then there are times at my job where my job can be quite busy, and um, and at times I just get so focused on things. I get towards the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I never ate lunch. And uh, and and then I get home, and 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 I get some dinner, and and I'm just like scarfing it down, and my wife will look at me and be like. You didn't eat, eat lunch today, did you? I'll be like, guilty. Not everybody can do that, apparently. Some, some people, I've, I've, been, I've been told that I would never forget to eat lunch. That just doesn't happen. But anyway, that does for me. But when I do, when I forget, when, when I don't eat breakfast and I forget to eat lunch, I can guarantee you that dinner is a priority. And it doesn't matter how busy I am. It doesn't matter what I have going on that evening. I'm going to find time to grab some dinner. Even if it means that I'm getting it on the go or something, I will have dinner at that point if I've skipped breakfast and lunch. That is the top priority for my evening. If something is a priority, we find time for it. If we say we're too busy to get to know our neighbors, what we're really saying is that... that, that I don't view getting to know my neighbors as important as everything else that I do. That's really what we're saying. And that may not be our intention, that may not be on the forefront of our mind, but, but that's what our actions are saying. We're prioritizing other things, and, and oftentimes we prioritize the urgent and not the important. The things that it feels like this has to be done now, but it's not necessarily as important as these other things. If you look at the life of Jesus, he did a lot, didn't he? You might say that he was pretty busy. It felt like he was constantly going from one city to another city, healing people. People were very demanding of him, and he did a lot. But somehow, you just never get the sense that he, that he was hurried. 
He always seemed to have time for people. In uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, which is a uh, continue on in the chapter of, of Luke chapter 10 that we um, were reading early on, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was so hurried getting everything ready, while Mary was just taking the time to spend time with Jesus. Now, was it the things that Martha was doing bad? No, there's nothing wrong with the things that Martha was doing. It was, it was good. It was, if you will, the urgent, but not necessarily the important. Did you know that there are 168 hours in a week? If you uh, sleep 56 of those hours, which would be the case if you sleep eight hours a day, I, I probably don't sleep that much, but let's, let's assume that you sleep 56 hours a week, and then let's assume you work 40 hours a week. Um, and that, did you know that still actually leaves 72 hours in a week after that? And so, you know, if you end up, uh, if you're one of those that sleeps 10 hours a week, then, you know, maybe a little less or you work a little bit more. But, but still, there's, 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 there's still a fair amount of hours left in the week after work and sleep. Now, I know that there are tons of other things that you need to do. There's time you want to spend with your family. There's projects you're working on. Maybe you volunteer with things at the church. You have a connect group throughout the week. I, I get it. There's other things besides just working and sleeping. But what if, what if you started prioritizing one of those hours every week to be a neighbor, whether it's to just sit out in your front yard and say, Say hi, to, say hi to people as they come by, or maybe go for a walk and, and strike up conversations uh, with people who happen to be out in their front yard, or, or maybe it's uh, taking the time to just go and introduce yourself to your neighbors one hour a week. I believe that that's enough time to gradually get to know your neighbors over time. It's not about saying that, wow, I've got all these neighbors, I gotta get to know their names, and then I gotta start inviting them over for dinner, and then I gotta do this, and then I gotta do that, and I gotta, uh, and then it starts to get overwhelming. No, just come on. Let's take an hour a week and let's just gradually get to know our neighbors. And start by just simply getting to know the names of your closest eight neighbors. That, that's, that's a great place to start if you're trying to figure out what to do with that one hour a week to start. One hour a week. Let's, let's see what happens if we just take one hour out of that extra 72 a week to get to know our neighbors. The next barrier I believe that people have is the fear factor. Fear is a crippling thing, isn't it? I believe that we close the door on people because of fear. And I think fear can happen for a number of reasons. It can be different depending on, 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 on who you are, your personality. But, uh, you know, because of technology, the media is constantly at our fingertips, right? And we're bombarded with horrific stories. 
So, I mean, the news basically picks the worst of the worst because that's what captures our attention, isn't it? And so, a lot of us, we live in just this constant fear, unsure what kind of people live right around us, and the reality is we might be afraid to step out and try to get to know these people because guess what? These people are always there. I can go volunteer in a soup kitchen, and then I leave, and I don't have to interact with those people again. I interact with my neighbors, and they will be there the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that. And then for some people, maybe it's not the, just the unsure, maybe it's not that you're afraid because you're unsure of, of who these people are, and are they dangerous people. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just that you're, you're, you're just scared to get out of your comfort zone. We like to be comfortable, don't we? And stepping out and meeting these people in our neighborhoods is not very comfortable for all of us. And especially if, you're, if you would consider yourself an introvert, then you only have so much energy for people, right? And you might be thinking, do I really want to burn more energy on more people? Regardless of what your reasons are, I, I, I would venture to guess that many of us deal with fear when it comes to neighboring. But I believe that Jesus is asking us, that Jesus is calling us. Do you see your neighbors? Like see them, not just see them with your eyes, but do you, like people want to be truly seen. There's a story of the, the, um, the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman at the well where, where she, she went every day to draw water. And when Jesus saw her, he didn't just see her with her eyes and then dismiss her. He truly saw her, and he spoke into her life, and he loved her. Do you see your neighbors? Do you love your neighbors? I believe that Jesus is asking, will you love your neighbors with the love that I have given you? 1 John 4.18 says that perfect love casts out fear. When we have the love of Jesus in our hearts, gets rid of fear. Now, I really want you to hear my heart on this. I'm not saying that you shouldn't use wisdom. I'm not saying put your family in a dangerous situation. But most of the fears that we conjure up have no validity. It stems from our own insecurities. And and actually, I I read this statistic that says that 85% of our fears never actually happen. It's time that we put aside our fears And it's time that we take the great commandment to love our neighbor seriously, literally, and begin to truly see our neighbors. Last year, uh, Robin Street uh, approached me and said that she felt convicted that she really wanted to to start neighboring. And she was honest, and and she told me that that, that she had some fears associated with this. And and, and she asked for help with, she wanted to uh, to kick off a block party. One great way to, um, in, as, as, as you're in the process of neighboring, is to just do a block party. Invite, invite people on your block over to your house or over to a park or, or a neighbor's house if you're partnering with a neighbor, um, just someplace, and, uh, and just have this, and, and have this party. It builds this, a community mindset on your block that maybe isn't there at this stage. And so she, and so she wanted help. She, Robin asked me if, if, if you know, help in, with, with doing this block party, and, and, um, and she and I... Um, along with, uh, so she and Corey, along with Cherish and I, got together, and uh, we planned out when we were going to do our block parties, 
And uh, each of us did a block party in our different blocks. We came to it, to, we, we came to it and we supported each other in it. And, and I think it helped us both in different ways. For me, it helped me because all of a sudden now I couldn't make the excuse of, oh, I don't have time to get this ready, so I'm just not going to do it. I'd committed to somebody. It was on the calendar, so I had to do it. And so I had, I had this block party. And, and, for, and for her, it, it, it helped her overcome the, the fears that, that she had associated with that. And at that point, she had to push beyond the fears to, uh, and just go out of her way to invite her neighbors. And um, now neither of our block parties were huge, but people came. We each had people that came. And um, it was a great first step. And, 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 and that is a way that we as a community, I believe, can support each other. If, if we're saying, you know what, I'm struggling with this, let's come alongside each other and let's help each other do this. And so if you're sitting here, and you're saying, you know what, I want, I want to be a good neighbor, and, and we're now getting into the warm weather. This is a great time to, to start this kind of thing. Sometimes it, uh, the winter isn't as, uh, not to say you can't be a good neighbor in the winter, but, but it, you, you don't have as many opportunities to, to get yourself out there, uh, especially if, um, you know, if you haven't already started before. So, so as we're going to good weather, this is a great opportunity. Maybe you want to have a block party, some, something like that, and then an I would challenge you to do that, and I would challenge you to take support from people if you feel that you need it. And so what I'm actually going to say um, in, in a few minutes, not right this second, but in a few minutes, we're going to be taking up our offering, and with our offering comes the Connect cards. Take that Connect card in your hands, and, and if you're saying that, you know what, I would like support, then go ahead and just write on there under the, my, under the um, upcoming opportunities where you check the boxes, just write underneath all of that, I would like help with a block party. So feel free to do that, and... Um, in, in, in the next couple of minutes before we take up our offering. And, um, and, and, and then if you do that, somebody will contact you and, and we can be a support for each other. That's what we're suppo- called to be as a community, right? Actually, we're called to be a community and to help each other when we have gaps and we all have gaps. Can I have the worship team come forward? But this right here, this is how we can reconcile communities is by being good neighbors. Now, I've spoken the majority of the sermon about how we can do this individually, be a good neighbor in, in, in our individual neighborhoods. But I believe there's a corporate call on that as well. How can we, as a church, as a community, be a blessing to the, to, to the community that we're called to? And how and, and, and I, believe, I believe that that's, that's things we're going to uncover, and, and you know, maybe even some of that we'll be discussing at, at, here in a couple weeks when we have that church direction. Um, but, uh, uh, but we are called as a community to begin reconciling others to Jesus. And we need to figure out what that looks like together. And part of that, we've actually done part of that at Westfest. You know, the, the, we have actually made a name for ourselves. People know us, uh, Daryl mentioned this last week, but people know us as the Be a Hero people. Because we've gone to Westfest, we've had a booth where we have a free craft for kids and, and give away free comic books and, and, uh, and, and just being a blessing on the community with no strings attached. And those are the kind of things that we need to continue and we need to uh, and, and, and just, just love on people. And, and I believe, with all of my heart, I believe that as we become better neighbors in each of our individual neighborhoods, then we can more effectively be a light as a community. So we're going to go ahead and, uh, and hopefully 
Hopefully this was challenging to you, gave you some things to think about, but we are going to go ahead and, and take up our offering, and um, as, 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 as they do, go ahead and um, put, put the Connect cards in there, and uh, it's not too late to write on there, I'd like help with a block party if that's something that you would like, or, um, or any aspect of neighboring for that matter, you could just say, I'd like help with neighboring, then great, somebody will contact you and help you, and, 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 and walk through this journey with you, but um, let me just pray, and uh, then the ushers can pass the, pass the bags, and Lord, I, I just pray that you would uh, just, just convict us, Lord, to, to do what you have called us to do, and to be the neighbors that you've called us to be. And Lord Jesus, I pray for, for the offering that, that we give, Lord, that you would multiply it, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be, to be generous as you've been generous to us. And God, let us use it to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name, ushers, will you go ahead and pass the bags, and then we're going to sing a couple more songs, and then I'll, then I'll close this up.